Welcome everybody back to the Off the Rails podcast episode. I believe this is 37. I probably should have checked before. 38. Gems can check that up real quick while I talk about our fantastic guest this time. We just finished this interview, people. You will want to listen to this interview. Brad Johnson. Yes, Brad Johnson. Brad Johnson. Uh, I could give you his accolades, and it's they're ridiculous. Florida State quarterback. Uh, played high school basketball, Brad Doherty, uh, two-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champ. Uh, I believe in this interview he said he uh, one of 35 Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. Um, just uh, 37. Well, amazing. He was one of 35 winning yes. Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. He also rattled off a ton of stats about like 45 presidents, 46 presidents. Dude. 45 different presidents. Yeah. Uh uh, Masters winners. It was it was incredible because he knew incredible. them all. Like there, these many horses won the Kentucky <laughs> uh, Derby. It was it was awesome. And this and is I, episode number thirty seven. Uh, episode number thirty seven, which I will yeah. I, I want to claim that I was super close. Just a random guesstimate when the other day when I said there was probably like thirty seven Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. I was very close. Yeah, and it like the when you first said that it shocked me, and then like we sat there and thought about it for like two seconds. We're like, well, yeah. Tom Brady's got thirty. And then you got like guys like Peyton Manning who have two. Eli Manning has two. So like, and there's only been what this past Super Bowl. This past Super Maddie Bowl, Maddie Elite, Maddie Elite over here one uh, is what like fifty six. This was this Super Bowl 56, 57, 58, something like that. So I don't know, but I can tell you, I, I was it Super Bowl thirty seven. I just stared at the banner the entire time. I believe it was, it was Super, Super Bowl thirty two. Thirty two, maybe. I could be wrong though. I, I just I was staring at the banner and I looked at it. it. The banner looked nice. By the way, when we start, when you if you're not watching this and you're just listening to us, Brad sat in front of a Super Bowl banner that is one of my favorite Super Bowl logos. Probably his favorite Super Bowl logo because it was Super Bowl one. Gorgeous banner. No, oh. Super Bowl thirty seven. We have Brad Johnson okay. on episode thirty seven. He won Super Damn. Bowl thirty seven. It's like we planned it. Super Bowl thirty seven. Also- quarterback. That would have been better if there was 37 quarterbacks, but whatever. It would have been like 37 heaven, but 37th episode, 37th Super Bowl winning. The the quarterback of the Super 37th Super Bowl. Yeah. Tells a little Either bit way, what, this was an awesome interview. Awesome. Uh, he talked about a pair of NBA brothers' dad that he played with in. Yeah. For the London Monarchs, I believe those. London, London Monarchs, Monarchs, yeah. Yeah. Talked about throwing touchdown passes to himself. Yeah. Talked about throwing touchdown passes to all-time greats. Like 15 Um, different Hall of Fame wide receivers that he threw to. uh, Brad Johnson talked to – he has had an amazing life. He also does amazing trick shots on TikTok. Big Bad Brad, right? Big Bad Brad, 14. 14. His his sons are going to lead incredible football careers. Yeah, both of them at Texas. Max. Last year was thirty-seven and six. Yeah, thirty-seven touchdowns and six like interceptions. Ridiculous. Like, so yeah, this is a great, great interview. You're gonna enjoy it. Uh, we'll see you on the other side. Um, tell us, this is the episode. If if we're gonna be real about it, like, I mean, this is the turning point. This is a turning point episode. I feel like for Off the Rails podcast, great, great episode. This shows what we can do. And Brad was just an all-time great guest. Uh, amazing 
amazing guest. I, I, if every, if every guest can be a Brad Johnson, give it, give it to me all day. Like I, Brad was nothing but the best. So. Yep. All right. Agreed. Enjoy it. Here's the, here's the interview. Enjoy it. Welcome Brad. How's it going today, man? Doing great. Doing great. Appreciate you guys reaching out and having me on your, uh, on your show. Thank you. Def- definitely. We were super excited. Uh, when gems told me, uh, that you said, uh, you'd come on, we were, we were both, uh, really excited. We're both big football fans, uh, huge, uh, huge sports fans in general. So, uh, so it was great to, great that you, uh, you said yes. And, uh, I know we got plenty to talk about. I did a little research and, uh, just from the little research that I did, I mean, you got an amazing, crazy life. <laughs> so we're excited to talk. Yeah. Yeah. And it's getting crazier with both your sons, Division One football players. It's only getting crazier, I'm sure. It's pretty wild, yep. <laughs> Keep our heads on a swivel and hope and pray, and good things will happen for everybody, you know what I mean? So, uh, But very blessed with my family. My wife, Nikki, and I have been married for 23 years, and, and our two boys, Max and Jake, they're at uh, Texas A&M now playing football. Did uh, So Max, is he's left-handed. Quarterback, yeah. right? Right. And then did Jake, did he just play tight end because his brother was already the quarterback? Or is that just where he kind of fell into place? Yeah, with Max, he's left-handed, and I thought he was right-handed for his first two years of his life. <laughs> so I was training the wrong thing with him uh, or starting early. But with Max, uh, it's kind of funny when you throw, you kind of throw, it's like looking at an ambulance upside down. And you kind of mirror each other. And so it's really kind of neat to, to kind of mimic each other, throwing with each other a lot of times and stuff. So I, I, I work with Max pretty much out of the womb as far as taking a three and five step drop and how to throw it and those kind of things. And, and with Jake, uh, he could throw a football, but he's not really, uh, he really, he's a, he's a tight end receiver, a tight end that you can kind of flex out. And, and that's a position I know nothing about. I mean, I don't know how to block. <laughs> I don't know how to run routes, but he's, uh, he's definitely flourished. Had a, he's, had a great high school career, and now they're both together at Texas A&M. So um, I go out, I get out there and throw balls with Jake, and he runs routes and those kind of things. But uh, Max and Jake, they're both like Tom and Jerry, the cartoon characters uh, in the house. They beat each other up. They fight with each other. Uh, who's taller? Who's faster? Who's stronger? Those kind of things. And then, But when, actually, when they're on the football field, they actually – that's the one time they don't say anything. They just kind of work together. So it's kind of fun to watch. But – um, in the house, they can kind of eat you out of the house with food and then kind of uh, break a few lamps along the way too. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, gems, gems specifically led with that question. Cause we are two left-handed human beings. So we are, yeah. we're, we're pumped. So we're, we're rooting for max. We're <laughs> yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> Was there ever any chance that Jake would go to a different college than his brother? Or did that just kind of happen yeah. the way it happened where, most definitely. Jake was really tied in, um, had a great connection with Lincoln Riley and Shane Beamer at Oklahoma, at Oklahoma. I thought it was going to be Oklahoma uh, pretty much the whole way. Then Shane Beamer, he actually went to South Carolina. And then uh, Lincoln, he just left but uh, to Southern Cal, but that didn't have any play to it at that point. But it was really weird. They've always wanted to play together um, and, and those kind of things. Actually, Jake committed to LSU. And uh, then there was kind of a decommitment. There's a lot of things that took place and uh, don't need to get into all that kind of stuff. But it was really, uh, they were both ready to go take their own, carve their own pass. And they still got to it at their position and those things. But it's pretty awesome that they get to be, uh, you know, stay in the same room with each other. They got different rooms, but the same dorm. 
and uh, and then get to play with each other. It's pretty pretty awesome. His parents and and his brothers, you know. But they have to carve their own path, regardless of what school or what position they are. Makes it a little that, easier on you guys. I was gonna yeah. say it makes it a little easier on you guys too. You don't have to be in two places at once <laughs> watching. It was tough, no <laughs> doubt. Um, honestly, for the last two years, uh, Jake would play on Friday nights. I've been coaching high school football and. And then after games, you know, we're loading up the car. We're either driving all night or leaving four in the morning and driving all day to try to get to Max's game, which was nine hours away, and 600 miles, and, and just keeping the road hot, you know. But definitely, them playing together, we don't have to split up and go two different directions, and it's going to be pretty awesome. That's that's awesome. That's the every parent's dream, I think, probably. I'm going to guess just to have your kids in one spot. I I thought it was bad. I, I I, my daughters are 13 and 14 and one played at the middle school this year and one played at the high school and that's five minutes away and it was hard enough. I can only imagine. <laughs> I can only imagine the nine hours yeah. away. That's crazy. Now, yeah. did you have a, a relationship? Did you know Jimbo before uh, the boys ended up transferring there? Did was he? Did you guys cross yeah. paths at Florida State at the same time? Yeah, we sure did. I actually met Jimbo like in 1989. He was actually an offense coordinator at Sanford. Uh, university with uh, Terry Bowden, who was Bobby Bowden's son. And they would come to our bowl practice. And uh, we're actually down the Blockbuster Bowl down in uh, close to Miami there. And I remember after we had practice one day, Jimbo was like, he said, Brad, what are you doing today? And I said, well, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm going to go shoot some hoops. This is your bowl practice. And uh, and so he, we got in the car, went and played one-on-one, shot a horse all day. And then I didn't see him for a long time after that. But actually when he became the head coach at Florida State, I, I, I took Max there, and he offered Max a scholarship at Florida State when he was, uh, I think, eighth or ninth grade, somewhere in that range. And so there was a lot of – and they and he recruited him when he was at Texas A&M. But, you know, there was a lot of things that took place, and we really, you know, chose to go to LSU. And then with some things that happened, um, it just worked out great that, you know, uh, he took on both of them and uh, accepted both of them to play at Texas A&M. So it's pretty awesome. But I, it's not like I got a great friendship. or like, we, don't, we don't talk like that, but it's been – but there's definitely a relationship and trust that you know I can send my kids there to school. That's definitely it's not it's nice to have that familiarity when you're sending them so far away. You know, obviously, I was going to ask you about a little bit about your your freshman year at a uh, at a uh, Florida State. So I'm a huge uh, uh, I I actually produce uh, I, I produce a podcast for two guys who played in the secondary in the NFL, um, Antoine Bethea and Darius Butler, and uh, I know one of their all time top five. DBs is uh Deion Sanders and they also both have a massive affinity for Leroy Butler who when you were a freshman at Florida State I'm going to guess you had to practice against those two guys that had to be a nightmare in the in the secondary it was incredible <laughs> yeah no doubt uh the starting secondary those two Leroy Butler Deion Sanders the other corner was Martin Mayhew who had a 14-year career in the NFL yeah won a Super Bowl with the Redskins yep. Yeah, he was a Lions GM. What's that? He was a, we're yeah, Lions he was a Lions fans. GM. He was a Lions GM. Lions, yeah, he was. He was there. And then he's with the Redskins. And then uh, the other guy was De- uh, Dedrick Dodge, who played like six or seven years, I think, in the NFL and won a Super Bowl with San Fran. So it was loaded. And I remember the very first day I got there, uh, we were doing drills. Uh, I was actually in Mickey Andrews' was like conditioning drill, and uh, he's a defense coordinator there. And Leroy Butler was right next to me, and I'm like, holy smokes, who's this guy, you know? <laughs> and I uh, ended up being All-American, Now I just got inducted to the Hall of Fame. And a great guy, had many great games against him when he was in Green Bay, and I was in Minnesota. So, uh, but no, he was very, very talented. That whole, the whole Florida State team was loaded. I mean, we had like nine running backs that went to the NFL. Um, I mean, it was just incredible. So 
practices, we always thought practices were a lot tougher than games. But but definitely, when you got Deion Sanders going against him in practice, like <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get any it doesn't get any tougher than that, you know. So it's pretty pretty cool looking back. That's a that's a pretty He's awesome yeah, athlete. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we that was that was kind of where I was going with that. So yeah, you guys were loaded with two sport athletes. I know you played basketball and football. You got Dion playing baseball, football. You got Charlie Ward playing basketball, football. I mean, that's, that's a that's a pretty talented just all around bunch. Yeah, and it's really unique that that Bobby Bowden, the head coach, uh, who actually passed away, you know, this past year, but he let he let guys do that. If you were talented enough and you could handle both sports and all those names you mentioned, I mean, there was. I mean, Chris Winkie actually left yeah. to go play six years of baseball and came back and won a Heisman National Championship. But it was actually encouraged. If we had a lot of guys that ran track football, and then obviously Charlie and I played basketball, football, and Dion he did track, baseball, and football. So, but if you're athletic enough, you can handle your grades and you can back it up and uh, compete in both sports. And he lets you do that. It's pretty unique that school. I don't know if they let that go on too much now. Maybe a little bit of track, but. Uh, but Coach Bowden let us do that. It kind of let us flourish as athletes. And and then I think that attracted a lot of guys to go to Florida State also. It makes sense. I mean, yeah, especially like, you know, a lot of a lot of people have those uh, aspirations to be a professional athlete. And if you can, if you're good enough to do it in two sports, I mean, or even close, you know, then you get more options and stuff. Uh, um, I was actually going to ask you, and I don't know, I was trying to look it up, but uh, the high school you went to, um, Brad Doherty graduated there. Did you play basketball with Brad? At high school? Yep, Brad, yep, Brad Doherty, he was an All-American, McDonald's All-American coming out of high school. He was the top center with Patrick Ewing. And I uh, later went on to North Carolina, was All-American there, and played for the Cleveland Cavaliers for a bunch. And Brad was, uh, when he graduated, I was actually an eighth grader and uh, going to be a ninth grader. But I played against Brad a bunch and pick up basketball games. And uh, when he was in high school, college, he'd come back, or pros, he'd come back. And, and, but he's a guy that I looked up to. He's a seven-foot center. And uh, he's the first one at our school to, to get your to get your jersey retired at our high school, which is Charles D. Owen High School in Black Mountain, North Carolina, Swannanoa. Um, you had to be an All-American. So they weren't just going to give it just because right. you did. You had to be an All-American. Yeah. And so every day I'd jump rope and in the gym we'd play. We had a great coach named Bill Burroughs who was our high school coach. And But the guy before him that coached was a guy named Roy Williams, who was the uh, you know the coach <laughs> of Kansas and North Carolina the <laughs> Hall of Fame? Yeah, so it was. I mean, we had a small little gym, but it, basketball meant something in our little uh, in our little town. You know, that's awesome. I didn't I didn't realize that Roy Williams was there. That's crazy. Yeah, that's a yeah. That's a that's a good that's a good that's a good coach to have there. Somewhere. <laughs> no doubt. But but Brad, he dunked on my head quite a few times, and uh, you realize what greatness was all about playing against him. Heck yeah, that's awesome. I saw it and I was like, oh, I was like, I wonder if that's the, I wonder if they played together because it overlapped there. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's awesome. And then, um, um, obviously then, like I said, you went to, you went to Florida state and you played with, uh, um, uh, Charlie Ward. Charlie Ward's an interesting one for me. Uh, and I did want to ask it cause like, I always wondered what he could do in the, in the professional football field. Like where, if he had gone that, that route, do you, do you see it, him having, uh, successful long career like i know i i, th- I thought he was ta- more than talented enough to, to do it obviously he won a heisman and yeah and all that kind of stuff but uh it's such an interesting case for someone to win a heisman and then go play another sport <laughs> it's like yeah yeah well people don't realize obviously he had an 11-year career in the nba played for the new york knicks and i think one year with i think uh houston i think he finished his career with and and uh, but when he came to florida state he was actually our first our, our starting punter so people don't know that. 
and uh, quite an athlete, great guy, uh, very humble, hardworking. Uh, didn't you knew he's like the player of the year coming out of Georgia, coming out of high school, and but our room was competitive. I mean, like you know, we, we had a guy named Danny McManus who played for Canadian League for like 19 years through 52,000 yards, and Chip Ferguson who won a Sugar Bowl, and Pierre Tom Willis played four years in the NFL, and my guy I was competing against was Casey Weldon, who's the runner-up for the Heisman, and Chris Winkie was there, and who won a Heisman, and Charlie Ward won a Heisman, and we had another guy, Kenny Felder, who was a first or second round in baseball. So it was just, the room was loaded. Sometimes you, we all thought each other stunk. We all thought we were better than each other, but I mean, if you, there should be a 30 for 30 on that group of guys, that group yeah. of quarterbacks that were, were in that wow. room, and the greatness of it was uh, Mark Rick, who's now my brother-in-law, he was the head coach at Georgia and University of Miami, was uh, he was our QB coach, and you know somehow he made it work for all of us. You know there was that was before the transfer portal and those kind of things, but somehow we kind of worked and waited our turn. But we we're all really good friends, really good friends to this day. Um, yeah, that's awesome. We see each other, we call each other on phone or text and that kind of stuff. But pretty unique uh, quarterback room we had. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. Actually, that you just mentioned it. I was it was a question I was going to ask you because I I was looking at that depth of of quarterback wealth that you guys had there. And your son obviously actually just went through the transfer portal. Um, what do you think about the transfer portal as like a, yeah. on both sides as a player having, if you would have come through it and then also now on the flip side as a parent. Yeah. At the time there was, you know, we didn't have those kind of things. If you want to transfer, you had to go actually go down a level. Now they've made a rule where kids got an extra year of COVID got an extra year, which was uh, good for some bad for the income in high school kids. Yeah. Um, the transfer portal is worked for some, it hasn't for others. And for our situation, for Max, it was a no brainer, it was a must move um, because of a lot of things that took place. So Max was a starter and yeah. it's worked out well for him there and had a, had a really good career, a good time there, even though he didn't, they didn't, you know, had 35 touchdowns, seven picks, you know what I mean? Yeah. So off to a good start. But, but you know, I, I think when a kid goes in the transfer portal, it's got to be for a reason. Yeah, it can't be just because things aren't going well for you, or, or just you know, adversity is a part of it. But at the same time, if things aren't right, you need to be in a different kind of situation. It has worked out for some, yeah. but for the kids that go in the transfer portal, if you get on Google, it, like just because you go in the portal doesn't mean you're going to get picked up. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. You don't get to necessarily just pick your spot that you want to go to. So you got to be careful. Uh, the grass isn't always greener on the other side, but. But sometimes the grass can't be painted where you are either. No, so, for sure. <laughs> you know, so it just it's just a choice of, you know, you, you got to know what you're getting yourself into when you do it. It's worked out for some, hasn't for others. That's uh, definitely. I, and, and I appreciate And that's I was I was wondering, especially like I've been a long time. Uh, uh, one of those people who are like, I don't like how quickly coaches can leave and move and then the players kind of get stuck. So I'm glad that uh, I'm glad they, they did kind of work out a way where players can kind of you know, get out of a situation if they yeah. need be or whatnot. So I, I definitely, I feel that. It, it's really difficult. I mean, you go because of a school, you go because of the system, you go because of a coach, you go like, and things change. So that's part of life also. But like, yeah, I mean, coaches are leaving and there's no repercussion. There's, you, you know, you want to be, you want the, skid, the school to be committed to the kid too, you know? So yeah. it kind of goes both ways uh, in the recruiting process. And it's just, those are hard times you, you have to go through as a kid and, um, some have great experiences, some don't, you know yeah. what I mean? But and, and at the end of the day, no matter who you are, you don't have to deal with adversity. Things aren't going to always be a smooth ride. And, and uh, so I, I don't, there's not a true answer. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? Yeah. It's, just, it's, it's something you got to work out. But it's just like your business. Like if, 
in your business that things don't go well, if it's not the right situation, you need to have some kind of free agency and move on. And uh, that's kind of what's happened. Did the transfer portal first start off as just grad students? Like if you had finished, because that's like Russell Wilson did it, and then uh, yep. I forget who else. That was the first I saw it was with Russell Wilson. I'm sure it happened right. before that. But they had to complete their undergrad first, right? And then they just switched it to this right. full-blown transfer right. portal? Yeah, you could transfer. Um, it, it, originally, you could transfer, but you had to go down a level. So if you're Division One, you'd have to go down to FCS or, or down to Division Two, however that was. Uh, if you stayed at, the, at your same level, then you'd have to lose a year of eligibility. That's right. Right. And then, and then, um, but then once you graduated, you had a transfer. And so now you almost get two transfers, one anytime you want to, and the second if you graduate, and then you can do it again. I just want to say, as a Notre Dame fan, I was glad to see your boys go to AM. I would have rather seen, obviously, them come up north a little bit, but get away from the LSU program. <laughs> Yeah, that's no, worked out for everybody. It's worked out for everyone. So I'm glad. But then, you know, it's uh, I, I, to be honest with you, we met met a lot of great great people in Baton Rouge and made some made some friends for a lifetime. And Max has some unbelievable experiences there, and and great loved his teammates and and just a lot of people in the building, his trainers and some of the coaches that he had were you know be lifelong friends. So it was, it was a it was a great experience from that kind of set, from that kind of standpoint. They have an incredible facility there, don't they? Didn't they just like pour a bunch of money yeah. into like? Uh, that's what I yeah, thought. but a lot, lot of the schools do now. You know what I mean? Yeah, so. yeah. yeah, it's it's a, it, yeah that that yeah. I remember that used to be a a big thing. The facilities now everyone's all got a yeah. lot got a crazy one. No, well, so moving moving on a little bit. I, I obviously I want to move to, to your career. I mean, you had a, a super impressive career. I mean, you almost threw for thirty thousand yards in your career. Uh, obviously, two time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champion. Um, what, what do you, I guess, contribute to the longevity of your career? You played 17 years in my uh, 17 years in the NFL, right? Is that right? Right. I, I say a few things. I'd say, uh, love for the game. I, I love to get better, love to compete. Um, you know, I, th I think it was a thing of, um, you know, learn the, learn, don't learn the tricks of the trade, learn the trade. Yeah. You know what I mean? and be great at your craft. And my dad always said, it's better to be prepared and not have an opportunity than to have an opportunity and not be prepared. So you'll, you'll get a lot of kids now, they're thrown into the fire too fast. They have short careers. Uh, sometimes it's, you know, um, you want to be drafted a little bit later, maybe sometimes and kind of be groomed a little bit, but there's always, everyone's anxious to put all these guys, play them right away. And I look at all these Super Bowl champions and, you know, Brett Favre, he sat his first year, and Aaron Rodgers sat his first yeah. three, and Tom Brady sat for a year and a half or two, and Eli Manning sat for six weeks, and Kurt Warner, he sat for a while, and Steve Young, he sat for a while, and Troy, I mean, the, the list goes on. Yeah. And so um, maybe the only one that had a great, great career that was successful that started game one was probably Peyton Manning. And he, you know, and he set the and, he uh, set the rookie record for interceptions. He did, yeah. So it's yeah, it's it's a learning experience, you know. But it's when your time is ready, you want to be ready for those moments. But but for me, you know, I had probably had more valleys than than peaks in my career, and there are a lot of like just tough moments of you know earning practice reps and and, and earning any kind of game kind of reps. And you know, I took a chance to go play in the World League one year. Yeah. And to go through that just to get game experience. And so it's not an easy road. It's not an easy path. And I always tell people a lot of times it's, 
it's easier to be more successful when you are a starter than it than it's hard it's hard to get that opportunity. It's just hard to get an opportunity to be to get game time. Uh, you need the quarterback to get hurt, or you need to be in a contract year. You need to you need to get some chance to to get in the game to get game tape and those kind of things. So I was fortunate enough in my career just to be ready and healthy when, when those opportunities came. That's what that's was awesome. playing in the World League. Do you think that was like your first big thing that kind of helped you? Because the first two years in Minnesota, you didn't get to play a ton, and then right. after that, you kind of got your feet underneath you, right? You led the yeah. you had the record for most completions there. Is that correct? Yeah, the the World League it wasn't it's not for everybody. Okay, so I didn't play that much in college. I only started six or seven games in college. I only started my uh, one game my senior year. Uh, Casey Weldon was a starter and runner up to the Heisman and. And so my first two years, I didn't get any reps in practice, not long game time. And so when the World League came around, I think there was 19 quarterbacks that went over there. Uh, there were six teams, uh, Scotland, London, Amsterdam, Franklin, Dusseldorf, and uh, I can't remember the other one. Uh, uh, Frankfurt. Frankfurt. Uh, Frankfurt. Yeah. Yep, Frankfurt. So, But, you know, a lot of those quarterbacks, the, the greatness of my deal was I was already with Minnesota for like three years. So I knew the system when I was in Minnesota. And then when I went over there, I learned a new system. Then I came back, and I was ready to play. Where some of those quarterbacks, you went over there where they didn't they didn't have a team or they didn't know the system where they were going to be at. So yeah. it's hard to go learn a foreign system and then come back to the NFL season. And, and the guys got injured. I mean, it worked out for guys like myself, Kurt Warner, John Kidna, um, Jay Fiedler. So it's, it's a gamble you take, and uh, it just worked out well for, for some of us. Well, I, I have a, I actually had a question about the World League. I, I was always fascinated by it because I remember being like a kid and and they had they made like they were part of uh, uh, the trading card sets. They'd have like the World League. They had a, a couple of them on there. And uh, so then when I when I saw, I remembered I was like, oh yeah, Brad played in the World League. And then I looked it up. And uh, so this is gonna be a kind of off the wall question. I don't know if anyone's ever asked you this, but uh, one of the players that you played with was Lavar Ball. I don't know if you have any stories about, about that, Lavar. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I was like, I was like, I was looking down the roster. I was like, Lavar Ball. I was like, and then it, I was like, sure enough, it was the same guy. And, yeah. and uh, so what you just explained was sort of uh, part of my question was, I was like, Lavar wasn't on a team, so I was like, that's kind of weird because you guys are roughly the same age. And so I was like, he hadn't been playing anywhere. So I was like, I wonder how he got over there. But that makes sense now that you explain yeah. it that way. Um, any any uh, any stories about Levar Ball randomly? Yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you what, we had we had a lot of we had a lot of guys on that team end up having sons that went on to be college stars and pro guys. Uh, actually, Trey Lance's dad, the quarterback at oh. uh, at uh, the 49ers, yeah. he, his, he was a cornerback for us. Oh wow! And, uh, but yeah, but uh, Levar Ball, he was actually I kind of forgot about it to be honest with you, and then it all came back to me, kind of like it did for you, but. Michael Tilly was our starting tight end who actually played for Buffalo for a little bit. And he was the main one, but, but in the bar, he was, he was the backup. He was a big physical dude. Yeah. And I mean, like, but he didn't really play that much. And, um, but I, I just remember like on our days off, he'd always go to like, we were in London, he'd go to France or he'd go to Barcelona and come back. Right. He was always on the go. And I remember he always said, I'm going to make it big. I'm going to make it big. I'm like, okay, where are you going to go? You know what I mean? And then, you know, 20 years later, he has these kids and you got the big baller brand. He's back yeah. at the, you know, at the, you know, he's got a couple first round kids in basketball. It's pretty, pretty neat. But I remember him just being a funny, good, good guy. Um, 
And, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't going to be an NFL play was, but, no. but he's, but he's a great guy to be with though. That, I thought it was a little interesting in, in looking into like, obviously you went to high school in, in North Carolina. Um, now one of his sons is in Carolina playing for the Hornets. I didn't know if you, you know, you followed much NBA, you know, I know you're a basketball guy, so, uh, didn't know if you had any, any thoughts on, on how the NBA is now, like, you know, a little bit about, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and if you get to watch any of that those players yeah I, I just kind of thumb through it i don't really just have a particular team or guy that i watch those kind of i like basketball um but i actually you know jordan's there and then the guy that the general manager buzz peterson who's from Asheville, north carolina i grew up watching him play and he was a north carolina fellow north carolina player too so he actually called me about a ball um just kind of because he knew i'd been with his dad before yeah. Kind of saying just kind of what you know, you just trying to draw the background work and those kind of things. But uh no, I cheer for him. He's a really good player, man. He's yeah, he's, ex- he's exciting to watch. <laughs> he sees the core, got great vision. That's way cool. That's way cool. Did uh you guys ever play basketball when you were over there? <laughs> the bar- I heard no, him say before. Play. No. <laughs> no, I'm sure he just he says a lot of things. He probably rambles a lot. So he's but, very uh, good it, at it's kind of work for him. He is. He is. He's branded up, and he said he's going to do what he did. His kids played wherever he wanted. They played, and you know, produced, you know, quite, a, and got his own TV show, and <laughs> all the above. You know what I mean? So it's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of funny to look back, and because he said he's going to make it big, and he did in those yep. in, that, in that kind of game. That's 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 awesome. Um, like I'm moving on a little bit in, in uh, into your career. Uh, when I was doing some research, saw. So you threw the hundredth uh, career touchdown to Chris Carter and Tim Brown. You also threw the first career touchdown to Randy Moss, Warren Sapp, as well as yourself. You're the first person yep. to complete a touchdown to yourself. What? Take, walk me. Walk me through that moment. You throw a touchdown to yourself. Is that like a in the moment you're like that was weird, or were you just like, huh? Yeah. Did you know you were? Did you know it had never happened before? Or is that? <laughs> yeah, when uh, it happened, actually, we were playing in uh, 1996, I believe. I was playing for the Minnesota Vikings, playing against the uh, Carolina Panthers. And uh, the, we were about the three-yard line. The play was called Dot Left Spear Rip Dallas. And basically it was a, a stick route by the tight end. And I threw the ball, and, and the ball got deflected up in the air. I caught it. It came back to me. It was it was a third-down play. Usually you'd bat the ball down because you don't want to lose yardage or interception. But I got it, scrambled in there, scored the touchdown, and then didn't know what took place. Like we just knew it was a – we knew it was seven points. You know, that's all we knew. And then I actually went to dinner that night. And somebody called me and said, hey, man, that's the first time in history it's ever happened. Touchdown pass, touchdown catch to yourself. And later that year, it won an ESPY award for play of the year. It's just a unique play, 12 points in fantasy football. And then it actually happened to Marcus Mariota uh, yeah. a handful of years back in and, and the playoffs. And uh, we actually talked about it. I talked to him about it. And so it's pretty cool to, to be the first one to have done it. And uh, – but didn't know what it was at the time. You know, thank goodness it was at the three yard line, not the five yard line. Right. So, uh, kind of worked out. <laughs> That's of, awesome. Of all those receivers that you threw to, who was the most talented? Like, who was the best guy that you threw to? Yeah. Yeah. Man, it, it, it's, it's a great question. I mean, obviously, Chris Carter to me had the best hands of any receiver to ever play. I'm biased, but he had, his hands were phenomenal. They're strong. He was great at sideline catches, great at end zone catches. Uh, Randy Moss is probably the best deep ball threat guy I've ever seen in my life. Uh, he changed defenses, uh, changed people the way they drafted. A lot of times they put corners. They started against him. They started putting safeties. They play cover two safeties that they reverse roles and put the corners back so they could go make plays against him. And 
Uh, I remember Randy said, I'm, I'm never running full speed. Uh, not unless it's Daryl uh, Green, Dale Carter, or Deion Smith. I mean, Deion Sanders. And uh, and he says, I'm setting them up. So just start as far as you can and something good is going to happen. You know what I mean? So, But those, that, those two were unbelievable. But then obviously Tim Brown, his 100th touchdown pass, I got him at the end of his career. And then Kenny McCardell was elite hands and Keyshawn Johnson, Joe Jaravicious and I mean, Jake Reed, I played with Andre, uh, Andre Reed for one year uh, at the end of his career. And then um, throw him a touchdown pass. And Larry Sanders, fullback, and Mike Allstock. I mean, I played with some legends oh, yeah. along the way. And obviously Jason Witten and Terrell Owens. So pretty pretty unique amount of guys I got to play with. Yeah, you got to – I was going to say, you, you've, you've thrown some touchdowns to some some legends, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, well, you, you, you mentioned that Buccaneers that- team itself was absolutely loaded. The Super yeah. Bowl team, like – on both yeah. sides of the ball. It was incredible. Yeah, it takes that. I mean, when you go back and you look at any championship team, I mean, if you look at NBA, you're going to find three guys that probably made the Hall of Fame off of any championship team when you really think about it. The pros, when you win a Super Bowl, you're probably going to have some guys that make Hall of Fame. That year, uh, we had, um, we've had we had John Lynch and Derrick Brooks and Warren Sapp make Hall of Fame and hopefully uh, Rondé Barber and Simeon Rice make it. But – those are the legends you talk about, the Hall of Famers potentially, but there's a lot of Pro Bowlers players too. So just a lot of great players. It takes all of the above if you're going to win it, and uh, everybody's got to be at their best. Yeah, I mean, you talk about a talk about a game changer. I was going to say Mike, uh, Mike Allstott. I remember, like, I mean, he kind of changed the way football ran for there for a little bit as well. Like, what what was it like playing with a with a guy like that? Plus, uh, did you have you had work done in the backfield there too as well at the time? Yeah, actually, uh, well, A Train. Um, up the gut, all stop. That's what he's known for, the true, true train. But uh, he was unbelievable, war number 40, and he was great in, in uh, short yardage situations and goal line situations, could catch the ball out of the backfield, kind of like a borderline, not fullback, but almost a tailback at times, you know? Yeah. And uh, but just a warrior, tough guy, love football. And um, now he's coaching high school football, work done. I always watched, enjoyed watching his career at Florida State. He came after me, and then we played one year together at Tampa Bay, then he actually left, and then Michael Pittman was our tailback right. the year we won it. That's right. <laughs> I was gonna say I was like I, I knew there was I knew he was there one of those years, but I couldn't remember if he was on the Super Bowl team. Um, yeah, crazy. I was gonna say speaking of the you were speaking of uh, people catching passes from you. Um, one of my all time favorite NFL highlights ever. Um, today it popped in my head again, and I was like, I wonder if Brad threw that pass, and sure enough, you did. Uh, do you remember anything about the Joe Jarvis's tip pass? Yeah, yeah, sure do. <laughs> I just yep. remember watching it live, and I was like, "That might be the greatest catch I've ever seen in my entire life." Like, and it's, it's yeah. nothing. I wouldn't say it's nothing not crazy, but I mean, just to have the acrobatics of being able to catch that. Um, any, any, uh, I guess, any insight on that play? Any, any, anything you want to like? <laughs> you yeah, can tell yeah, us basically, about it. Basically, yeah, basically, <laughs> it was a Monday night game against Philadelphia, first game of the season, up at up at the, up at Philadelphia. Play was called uh, South South uh, South Left Q8, and basically it's a sprint out to the right. It's the same play actually that Joe Montana threw is the 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 catch to Dwight Dwight Clark. It's the same exact play, to be honest with you. And so basically on this play, Joe Jervicious was running a two yard flat route, and is on a third down play near the goal line, and and basically is a quick sprint out to my right. And I threw the ball actually behind Joe, and so Joe people don't know about he actually played ball is. He has two girls, two daughters that are great volleyball players. Now, one's going to go to Nebraska. She's like a 18 and under All-American. Um, the people want to keep up with her. Uh, 
But but basically, I threw this ball behind him. He played volleyball. He tipped the ball like this, turned all the way around, and then caught the ball in the back of the end zone. It was an elite play. So if he didn't tip it, I probably was going to get picked off for a <laughs> 95-yard touchdown uh, interception. And then, But he tipped it up to himself and made the play. Spectacular ball awareness and uh, just a great competitor, you know. Yeah, I, I just remember watching it live, and I was like, "Did he catch that ball? Like that's yeah. that's wild." And there was and there was pretty tight defense too. I mean, the guy was tight on him, and I remember the guy even back. I think was covering Keyshawn. I think it was, and was pretty tight in there. So to make that catch in that, I was like, "That was, that was spectacular." So <laughs> you've been you've been a part of some amazing plays, Brett. <laughs> really have you play long enough? You're part of. <laughs> You're part of all the good stats. You're probably part of some bad stats too. You know what I mean? You kind of get both play long <laughs> enough. But yeah, but I look back and I think about all the guys I play with. I mean, some Hall of Famers and some great legends, some great coaches. I played with Denny Green and um, Brian Billick, uh, North Turner, and Tony Dungy, and John Gruden. And whoops, I'm losing a little power here. I'm losing a little power here, guys. Um, uh, John Gruden and Jason Garrett and Mike Tice and Brad Childress and Daryl Bevel now, and then Wade Phillips. I mean, you play a lot of legends, so Definitely, I'm very thankful yeah. for my career. For sure. Um, I, I was going to ask you uh, one of the things because, like, I do. Uh, like I said, I did. Uh, I do uh, uh, p- produce for the Man to Man Pod, which is hosted by Antoine Bethea as one of the hosts, and he uh, he played for Tony Dungy, obviously in uh, in uh, Indianapolis, won a, won a Super Bowl with him. Um, he t- he always tells these like awesome stories about. Uh, like Tony Dungy, like being motivational and anything, uh, any like, uh, cool stories or anything that like stands out when like you think of Tony Dungy, like that, like, you know, you think people should know about like who he is as a person or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. I actually was with Tony for three years in Minnesota. He's a defense coordinator. People don't know it, but he's actually a quarterback at the university of Minnesota. I think 1978. And then he won a super bowl with the, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. At some point as a cornerback. And um, he actually said the Tampa 2 defense was actually created by Chuck Noll back with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Then he made it famous later yeah. with the Tampa 2, what everybody calls it now. <laughs> but it, when, he, when he took over to, you know, the Bucks, he left Minnesota and actually, you know, first African-American to win a Super Bowl. And he went to a losing organization, the Yucks to the Bucks, And, and he, he turned the, you know, the franchise around and made it a playoff contender and uh, got guys out in the community be a part of the Tampa Bay community. It was a big part of it. And, uh, but very, he, uh, built his teams through the draft. Um, love football, let you be yourself, you know? That's awesome. And, uh, later became a, you know, Hall of Fame coach and Super Bowl champion with the Colts. And, but just a guy that was respected by all. And, um, and you see him all, he's written books now. And, you know, you see him every Sunday night on TV, but, you know, he's a guy that people look out to as, as, as other coaches, They'll call him, and as players, you always look up to, you know, what Tony says is probably going to be gold. Definitely, yeah. I know uh, one of the things that uh, Antoine says all the time is, uh, "No excuses, no explanations." It's like it's it's like he says it. He's like, "That's a yeah. Tony, that's a Dungeism." He's like, "He's like, I'll repeat it for the rest of my life." He's like, "It's, it's just my way of life now." <laughs> yeah, no doubt. He, he's a guy that preached fundamentals. You know what I mean? And and do things. I remember like the the facility we had at Tampa Bay was it was horrendous. Like. Our team meetings were in the locker room, and you'd either sit on the floor or a, a little bench that go around. He'd pull out a projector screen, and that's where he'd do his notes for the, you know, for the team meetings, you know. But he was a guy when when he said something, it meant something. He'd done his research. Um, he 
you let coaches coach, you let players play. But uh, as a guy you just want to play for because you respected him and he was great. He was a great coach. And uh, But, you know, it's like if you were, you know, you, you didn't goof off with Tony. Like it wasn't a, just, he let you be yourself. But at the same time, you weren't going to go out there with your shorts on backwards. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> you're going to do things the right way. Yeah. Always do things the right way. Respect the game. Definitely, for sure. That's awesome. So that Super Bowl winning team, did you guys know you had something special the entire year or did it like click partway through and you're like, okay, there's a good shot this is going to happen? Yeah, when, when Gruden came, I got there, I think in February, I think, and he preached that we're going to win a Super Bowl, you know? And, and but, he, but, you know, he made a lot of moves too now. Made a lot of moves in free agency. We upgraded a lot in talent. And, you know, it's kind of what you saw Tampa Bay did last year. They brought in a bunch of free agents and, and you can do that and it doesn't always necessarily – happen it happened for the Rams this year but it doesn't always happen the way you you know you can't just go buy a team but but that year we brought in Joe Giravicious and Kenny McCardell and tight ends Ricky Dudley and Ken Dilger and left tackle Robin Oman and left guard Kerry Jenkins and Michael Pittman running back like I think we brought in 15 to 17 guys as free agents wow so we just wow. we upgraded and but but everything he it was war in practice how are we going to beat Monty Kiffin and John Lynch and Warren Sapp and was, you know, training camp was a battle, and every four games we were three and one. So we ended up in season twelve and four. And but every day you were like, you know, we're, we're competing in practice. You weren't caught up in the talk of winning the Super Bowl. You're like, how are we going to compete today in practice? You know, and we got hot at the right time of the year, especially at the end of the season throughout the playoffs. And but Gruden was the guy. He called out our defense. You know, how are you going to create turnovers? How are you going to? This is this is some plays you couldn't stop before. You know, and offensively, he, we upgraded in talent. We could score when we needed to score. And, and uh, so he, he, he took us over the hump. Thank goodness for, for what Gruden did for our team. Definitely. That's, and you guys uh, um, uh, had a defensive player, Dexter Jackson, won Super Bowl. Yep, yep. Yes. Yeah, Dexter Jackson was the MVP of that, of that Super Bowl, had two interceptions and a great player for us that didn't ever get any credit. It was our middle linebacker, Shelton Corals, number 53. He's the leader of that defense now. He gets no credit. He's still with Tampa Bay now in the player department. Him and Greg Spires, defensive end. I mean, we had some dominant players, and, and but Dexter Jackson was definitely the MVP that day. Definitely. That's, a, could that's you, awesome. Could you pick like a top three players from that team, or is there just so many that it's not even my, – my, I have a good friend yeah. who is a Bucks fan. I told him you were coming on. He goes, ask him who the best three players on that team were. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, 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 I mean, Martin Gramatic, our kicker, had an incredible year that year. You know, won some automatic close games for us. I mean, close games for us, some field goals we needed to be made. And then, I mean, defensively, like the guys that you know of, and we're talking about Derrick Brooks and Warren Sabbath and Simeon Rice, but, but I, I'm going to tell you about Greg Spires and Al Singleton and Dwight Smith, who had two interceptions in the Super Bowl also, and Shelton Corals. And offensively, I'll tell you, you know, talk about Michael Pittman. You know what I mean? Talk about Joe Jervish, Kenny McCardell, Keyshawn, and Allstott. And I mean, the list of players, it, it was a rock star team now. But but when we talk about the players, let's talk about the coaches, you know? Talk about Mike Tomlin. He's a defensive back coach. Now he's won a Super Bowl with Pittsburgh Steelers. And Joe Barry is defense coordinator in the NFL now with Green Bay. And Rod Marinelli, who later on became a head coach, and Rich Versace, who became the head coach of Oakland this past year. And I mean, <laughs> rock stars. You know what I mean? But but it wasn't about 
everyone was, you know, it was about team at the same time. And we, with that, with that group of guys, you know, there's a lot of pro bowlers, but there wasn't Super Bowl champions. And that's what needed to be made. That's what we all came together for. That's awesome. I didn't realize that, that there was that many coaches on the coaching staff. That, I, that yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> and Mike, Mike, Tom, Mike Tomlin, interesting. Yeah, I always, uh, I obviously he, he's been fantastic with the, with the Steelers. I think he's never had a losing season, which is astronomically crazy when you think about it, how competitive the league is. Um, but yeah, he's, he's from Lions a, fan, that's hard to fathom. Yeah. As a Lions fan, we're both Lions fans too, by the way. Yeah. So yeah. We don't know what winning seasons look like very often. Um, and tough up there, boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were part. You were part of the toughness. You, you, you were part of the yeah. part of it. Um, I was going to ask about the Super Bowl. Um, Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. I think I joked with Gems the other day. I was like, man, I was like, what is there like thirty seven Super Bowl winning quarterbacks? Because I mean, you know, Brady's got like thirty, like thirty of them. You know, got a couple guys win four, two here and there. There's not many. Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. What's it like to wake up the morning after the Super Bowl, knowing you're a Super Bowl champ and you were the Super Bowl winning yeah. quarterback? Yeah, I, I don't don't quote me, but I think there's 35. 35. There's I was close. 30, <laughs> I think I think there's 33 that are living. Uh, Kenny Stabler passed away, and Johnny Unitas passed away. So um, it's a unique club when you think of it like that. Like I think there's 45, 46 presidents. There's um, <laughs> 66 guys that have won the Masters. There's 120 guys that are different Kentucky Derby horses that have won. Wow, yeah. So it's probably the, one of the most exclusive clubs in the world if you go that route. Yeah. And um, so it's incredible. My It's a dream come true. I remember when Phil Sims won it in uh, 1987. I think it was 87. Uh, when he was with the New York Giants, he was 22 for 25 and threw three touchdowns. And they beat the great John Elway and Denver Broncos. He won the Super Bowl. And he said, "I'm going to Disneyland," you know, yeah. and uh, <laughs> and so that's 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 what happened for me. Um, <laughs> confetti was falling on my face, and I hold my son Max, who's two years old, and my wife Nikki, seven and a half months pregnant with our other son Jake, and confetti was falling on our face, and we said, "We're going to Disneyland." And that night went on. We had a um, big party back at the, at the team hotel, and it was a good night. It was a really good night. You know, yeah, what I mean? all, the, all the all the all the drinks were flowing. You know, but. Didn't really get any sleep. I slept. I, I, I did put on my Super Bowl jersey. And when I woke up at 4 a.m. to do Good Morning America, I slept in my jersey because I want to wake up smelling like a champ, Heck to be yeah. honest with you. You know <laughs> what I mean? Awesome. And then at uh, 6.30 in the morning, I was on a, I was on a plane headed to, uh, to Disney to do all the Disney parade kind of thing. And then that night, I was actually on the Jay Leno show and then flew back to Tampa. Then we did a big parade in Tampa. But it's an incredible. It's a dream come true. I mean, it's like – you know, you know, you kind of pinch yourself when you watch it. When guys still win it to this day, it's it's pretty awesome uh, to lead your team and to win the ultimate prize. You know, what I mean, to win the last game of the season, it's pretty pretty uh, pretty cool. Definitely, yeah. It's a I, it's something I've I've grown to I, as a, obviously as a Lions fan. We've never been to the Super Bowl, so we don't know. But um, but like having done production for like a couple of NFL guys um as for their podcast like they mentioned it a lot they're like you know like the season just ended and they were like man like you know you know pick here or drop ball there or whatever it's the season and 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 uh one of them said i forgot and it really put it in perspective he's like 31 teams end up end their season the way they don't want to end so it's like yeah you're right you're like you playing 32 teams and only one team gets to gets to do it every year so it's uh it's, it's pretty impressive it's pretty crazy it's wild. I mean, honestly, if you if you make the playoffs or you win your division, like you should you should have a party. 
I mean, it's hard to freaking win a – it's hard to get a first down. It's hard to get – to win a game. You know, it really is. And, and, and to, to make the playoffs is hard. My first seven years at Minnesota, we went to playoffs six out of seven years but didn't win a, didn't win a game. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just so hard to win a game, not alone to get hot in the playoffs because, you know, the other team you're going to be playing against, they're, they're great, you know, and uh, to make that run. But you got to have your, – your team's got to be hot. you got to be healthy. you got to have you got to have great, great players. They're just playing for the love of the game at that point of the year. And then, but every play matters. I mean, it all matters. And just, you know, the year we won it, I, I, I think about guys playing with injuries. I, I had cracked ribs and Kerry Jenkins had a broken ankle and Kenny McCardell had a broken hand. And like guys play with all these injuries. You just got through it. Not, but not all those years are guys able to come back through injuries either. So yeah, it's just, uh, it's got to be, everything's got to fall and fall in line for you when it happens. Well, I, I I have a I, I do have another question about that season because it, I always find it interesting. It's the it's the one question that where when I hear it asked, uh, I'm like, oh, that's such a good question. Um, so, and obviously, you you know you remember play calls and and that's spectacular because those things are long, and it's been a long time and stuff. Um, during that season, is there one play that stands out to you where you're like, if, if we were this close to it going the other way, <laughs> like, is there something that stands out in your mind where you're like? Had that not, you know, the luck been on our side at that moment, like, is there one play that stands out for the, during the season or anything like that? Well, there's actually one game that stands out to me. Uh, we played on Monday night, I think game 14 of the season. I played against the Pittsburgh Steelers. We got beat like 21 to 7. 20 to, or I don't know, it was, it was, it was kind of a low-scoring game. And I didn't play that game. I was hurt. And, and – um, we lost a game and didn't play good. We had four turnovers in the in the red zone, you know. And when we lost that game, I was driving back with my wife Nikki, and I said, "You know what? I think we're good enough to win it all." I said, "We played terrible tonight. Just had bad luck, but we were in the game. We had a chance to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like it just makes you realize how good your team was." So yeah, that was that was that was that, and then. And to be honest with you, one of the most pivotal things that happened was game our last game of the season. We were playing up in Chicago. And so at the same time, Green Bay went to play uh, the New York Jets. And the New York Jets beat Green Bay. And when they did that and we won that night, we actually won the division. So we got a bye. And so if you go back and look at it, the very next week, they lost. Green Bay had to play the first round. I think they got beat by the Atlanta Falcons, I think. But we got a bye. I was hurt at the time. I needed an extra week to get through it. So if that didn't happen, if Green Bay didn't lose to the Jets, I don't know that, if we'd have made it. That's crazy, and yeah. So that was a pivot. That doesn't get talked about enough because we needed the bye to get healthy. I for sure could not have played the first round of playoffs. So that was a pivotal moment that people don't look back at. That's way awesome. Who was the backup quarterback on that team? We had uh, Rob Johnson and Sean King. And Rob okay. actually played uh, – he won two games for us that year. We're pivotal. We beat Carolina up there with uh, 12-9 in a crazy shootout game and actually beat that game in Chicago. I think we won 15-0 or something like that. But those are two games, Rob. And, and then and Sean had a play. People don't talk about it. The Carolina Panthers, like, we had to kick this 52-yard field goal to win it. But Rob got knocked out of bounds, and Sean King actually – had a helmet in his hands instead of behind the bench. And so when Rob got hurt, otherwise we would have had 
we'd have ran out of time. <laughs> but oh, Sean wow. King ran into play, <laughs> he clocked the ball, and then we were able to kick the game-winning field goal. So, I mean, like, it was just like wow. some weird things that happened like that, you know, and we all got along great. So it's it pretty cool. That's that's awesome. That's a that's a crazy crazy coincidence, right? <laughs> it's just like, it is. I mean, very rarely, do, very rarely do you have your hand helmet in your hand <laughs> if you're the backup quarterback. He had it in his hand, and then he's ready for that moment. Did he did he you, just instinctually like run out because he because he knew he had his helmet, or like did they call him out? Were they like, "Yo, get in there, get in there"? He, ha- I was actually throwing up inside the locker room. I was out. <laughs> they told me about it later, uh, but he was. Uh, he just happened to have it. Rob was out, got knocked out for a play. Sean had to go in because we didn't – it was just it was an instinctive play. That's crazy. That's awesome. That's Were you inactive and they dressed three quarterbacks? Because back, back then they would dress three quarterbacks all the time, which we, it blows yeah, my dressed, mind now. Yeah. It, yeah, it we just dressed, seems like that's terrible. Yeah. We, we dressed three. And that day I, I was I was trying to go play, but I was sick as a dog. I, I, I was going IVs and I, I stayed in the locker room the whole game. So I never saw the game. I didn't know it took place. I was I was knocked out. So, um, but uh, Rob played, and then Sean was there. But yeah, it's it's kind of unfortunate now that you only keep two quarterbacks on the roster. You know, I I really think they should expand the roster, um, not make it a a slash kind of player. Like make it a designated roster spot for the third quarterback and and groom more guys. I really think it's a big it's a mistake taking place in the NFL now. Definitely. Um, and that actually kind of leads perfectly into a question I did, I did want to ask you about. Um, lo- looking at the the landscape of quarterbacks today, um, are there any guys that like you enjoy watching or any guys that you're like, man, those guys are – and is there anybody who's maybe – depending on how, how, how much you follow uh, you know, everybody's roster or whatnot, is there any players that aren't like necessarily getting the shine right now that you think could definitely be like a guy that starts and, and, and does some stuff? Yeah, I think it's some great players, great young players right now. I mean, you got to love, like, I mean, everybody knows about Mahomes and Rodgers and Brady and all those kind of guys, but the guy that's come on the last couple of years is Josh Allen. Like, good gosh. I mean, it's hard to play in Buffalo, and he's winning his, you know, take your team to the AFC Championship, I think, once or twice, whatever he's done, and it could have been there, you know. Um, obviously, what Joe Burrows did – Herbert out there in San Diego, you don't get a lot of press out there. But, you know, a guy I really yeah, – I'll be honest with you. I watched the NFL Combine a year ago, okay? I said, you know, who, the, who had the best pro day? The guy that had the best pro day was a guy named Davis Mills, to yeah. be honest with you. He started. He only started 11 games for Stanford. His pro day, if you go back and watch it, of all those guys, he had the best pro day. He looked like a pro. It wasn't a college kid. They train their kids at Stanford, the quarterbacks, and you yeah. can promo that if you want to, but they train them. <laughs> and, and so they only won four or five games this year, whatever it was, but the team was – they only won four games with Deshaun Watson, too, the year before. You know? Definitely, yeah. But and it's a tough place to play, but I was really happy for that kid. But I think the guy that I really kind of want to see have some, some success here is, is Mitch Trubisky. If you go back and just look at the games he won compared to some other starters that played the same amount of time, drafted by the same time – You'd be like, you know what? He's a winner. He, he took his team to the playoffs two or three times. Chicago is just a place they don't, they they hate their quarterbacks and yeah. they don't they don't give the quarterbacks a chance. You know what I mean? But <laughs> but give it, yeah, give it give that give that guy a chance. I, I, he's one I'm pulling for. Definitely, yeah. And he, uh, I, I, it was funny. Both of those guys I just saw. Um, I, I follow probably way too many NFL. Uh, meme pages and stuff, but uh, Davis Mills, I I just saw he had like the same almost exact same stat line as uh, Tua Tungavaloa this year, 
And like, I think to his team, they won, they won a couple more games. Obviously defense was a little bit better and stuff. You know, you got guys, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, I mean, he basically had the same exact stats as, as a guy who was drafted yeah. top five. And then, uh, and then you got, you know, Mitch, I think he's like one of the only quarterbacks with over a certain amount of like games without a pick six or something like that. So it's like, yeah, you know, yeah. Obviously, obviously got some talent and stuff. I know he took the bears to yeah. the playoffs as well. So. Yeah, a lot of guys. I mean, I'm not saying Davis Mills is all pro. I'm just saying no. sometimes other guys get credit. I'm like, God, like, watch just watch the play. Sometimes you know what I mean, Definitely. and and so these are some guys that are outliers. That you kind of just watch for. Definitely, I, I, are I, there I like, are there any quarterbacks coming out this year that you really liked what you saw, or are you waiting for the I don't combine? Know. I don't. I haven't really. Um, I'm, I'm curious about Kenny Pickett. I know he's ACC player of the year and those kind of things. I just didn't get to sing play much. I know he's with a – he came from a pro-style system there in Pittsburgh. They got a load – they got a great receivers, got some great players, and obviously they won the championship this past year. So I'm curious just to watch him. I just had – I didn't get a lot of game time with him. But uh, I'm not sure about this year's class, to be honest with you. I was that kind of led you, you and you mentioned it. Uh, so you, I, I saw when I was uh, doing research, I saw that uh, your combine numbers. So you, when you did the combine, was it also in Indy? It was, yeah, it was. Any um, any 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 fun stories from uh, the combine before it became like probably the combine it is now, where like they have like twenty seven thousand cameras on it and they're talking about dudes yeah. how fast they drink Gatorade or whatever. <laughs> like yeah, what, yeah. now it's over analyzed a little bit, but. Any any fun stories yeah. about that or any anything about that experience for you? Yeah, I, I remember uh, they they for quarterbacks they invite twenty quarterbacks, but seventeen really get invited, and there's three that they invite on the side, and the three that you they bring in they bring them early and they throw to the to the to the DBs and they throw to the linebackers throw to the running backs and then then when the quarterbacks come around then you get to be a part of the the twenty, and um, for my group it's T.J. Rubley and and Bucky Richardson and. Our, our class actually, uh, I was the 14th quarterback drafted out of that class, uh, the 227th pick of the ninth round. And, and when I left that day, I actually thought I was the best quarterback there. <laughs> but every, every general manager and every coach didn't think the same thing, you know. But I, I remember we had these like little track shoes kind of thing. And, and so because the, the turf was different back then. It wasn't an artificial turf. It was a, more of a – almost like concrete. So yeah. Casey Wellen, who we played together with at Florida State. Um, so my name being Johnson, we're in the set. There's 10 quarterbacks in our group. So I was the first quarterback to run. He was the last one. So uh-huh. I ran in these little track shoes. And when I got done, he would run. He came down there, he changed shoes and we wore the same <laughs> shoes. But when he was the 10th quarterback, I had to I had to run down there at the end of the thing to put on the shoes and then run all the, so we got all these general managers, all these coaches <laughs> waiting for us to change shoes at that time. You know what I mean? So we didn't have any, you know, Nike or Reebok deals or whatever they were back then. That's so funny. That's hilarious. Yeah, I heard it was like kind of a more uh like more underground back then, a sort of like it wasn't obviously like as like well known about like to the general public as like oh these guys are all just gathered here to do this thing it was just like all, all these talented you know obviously prospects in, in one place but now it's you know obviously yeah. televised and everything and and everything you get to yeah. see which is they, kind of cool yeah they do all the same testing same test same same everything that takes place uh there's different now it is televised so more attention is brought to it but it's a place where they do all the physicals uh you do uh, you take the wonderlick test or whatever IQ tests that different different teams have and you do all the interviews with different coaches or general managers. 
you know, in between time, they do all your medicals. And so it's a lot. It's a lot that takes place in three days, just besides the, whatever the general public sees with the TV running the forties yeah. and vertical. It's, it's, I mean, you're up all night. Uh, you're taking drug tests or whatever those things are, or doing interviews. And it's a, it's a very active three days and all the medicals or x-rays or MRIs that take place. It's a lot. Big, biggest job interview of your life. <laughs> They're going to know everything about you. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, Gems, did you, did you have, uh, you have anything? I think I hit everything on my list except for one thing. So Gems, I don't know if you had anything. Uh, yeah. You are Big Bad Brad with your TikTok trick shots. How did that, did that just come about during the pandemic or had you already always kind of done that or? Yeah. Yeah. I, during the pandemic, uh, we're sitting around the house with kids and they were doing these TikTok videos or watching it. And I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing? So, so basically, you know, they wouldn't let me be a part of their TikToks cause I couldn't dance and do all those kind of things. But, uh, once I learned how to figure out how to make the videos, I still, I first started out doing a lot of, uh, uh, videos of my career when I played or workout videos, jumping rope or sit-ups and all those kind of things. And then, but then I started doing these trick shots. So basically my trick shots are a little bit different. I try to make three, four, five trick shots in a row, not just one shot, like hit a baseball bat and a ball goes in length of the court, which are a lot of talented guys out there, but I'll try to make three, four, five shots in a row. It may be a shot over the backboard, spin off my head behind my back, and then take a football and throw it the length of the court or whatever and try to make it. So it's 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 a lot of work to get done, but I I've bet. had fun doing it. <laughs> and it kind of gives me exercise and kind of come up with some unique things. I throw uh, one of the toughest ones I did, I threw it from the corner pocket uh, of the end zone, hit the second bar, hit it five times in a row. So there's some pretty things in there that I just <laughs> I got lucky doing it, <laughs> had a lot of time to do it. But basically, we've, we, we've actually charity with – Partnered with a charity called uh, Beyond All Borders, and awesome. you can go on, you can, you can go on cafepress.com uh, backslash Big Bad Brad fourteen. You can buy all the all the gear and stuff, but all the money goes to uh, Beyond Our Borders. Definitely, yeah. I'll definitely I'll definitely be picking up one. I'm, I'm always a hat guy. Yeah. If you guys ha- if you got hats, I'm buying one. Yeah, there's uh, Big Bad. I got one right here. It's a doink hat. All right. I'm, uh, this I, was my this is my original hat. That this is the one I wear. It's <laughs> like uh, you can see all the stuff on it. And, I mean, awesome. uh, Curious George has a has a bike, and Superman has a cape, and <laughs> Big Bad Brad's got a hat. <laughs> That's awesome. I was gonna <laughs> say you kind of brought it full circle for us. One of our first interviews, actually, maybe our first interview on this, um, he was 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 uh, uh, Chainsaw Chainsaw Lennon. Do you know who Chainsaw Lennon is? I've kept up with him. Yeah, yeah. we kind of connected a little bit here on there. He's a spectacular <laughs> kicker, man. He's his. I mean, he has a gift for kicking that ball. He's creative with um, some of the kicks he he makes. Definitely, y'all should y'all should do like a collabo someday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you find out there's a lot of talented guys. There's about there's about nine or ten people out there that I keep. I kind of watch their videos. We all kind of keep each other. We'll get, make comments on each other, but but you kind of marvel at some guys that are great at the craft. That's that is awesome. And well, speaking of talent. Brad, I know uh, one of the things I totally forgot about, but I know I definitely owned in my CD collection at one point, was an NFL country CD that had you on it singing with Jody Messina. Yep, yep. yep how, sure how, did. how did that come about? But <laughs> yeah, the uh, the NFL at that time they partnered with the they're making they're raising charity money. I can't remember what it was at that time, but I think Peyton Manning sang with Kenny Chesney. And yeah. There's like 10, 10 players and ten celebrities, and so I got hooked up with Jody Messina. And um, we sang a song, uh, 
I'm a survivor. Yeah. And, um, and so I actually cut my part of the tape in Tallahassee, like some little dungeon of some little <laughs> studio. And she did hers in Nashville, Tennessee. Then the first time we met, we actually did a, we sang, uh, we actually sang on Regis and Kathy Lee. On Good oh, really? Morning America. Yeah, Regis and Kathy Lee. Sang national TV. She came to uh, Minnesota. We sang at a concert. It was, I mean, I, I don't have the, <laughs> she sings like a hummingbird, but I was, she kind of, she had to carry it for sure. But it was fun doing. <laughs> I was going to ask, was, was singing something you did in the back, in your background of your like, like, how does like, because I, I mean, singing and especially first off, just on CD, I toured as a musician for two years. Singing yeah. on, singing on CD or on record, on record is crazy, but then to perform live, like that's gotta be, that's, that takes, that takes some, that takes some, uh, take some guts yeah. there, man. The Regis, yeah. you know, Kathy Lee. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was, it, it was, I mean, honestly, like I was, um, I actually was in some, uh, talent shows in high school. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I did a couple of some funny skits like that and sang and some stuff and, but no, I was not a singer. But then I'm telling you, I cut my part of the of the tape in, in in the summertime. And then, you know, three months later, I'm singing I'm a Survivor on national TV. I meet Jody Messina the night before. We're trying to rehearse. I can't memorize the words anymore. Like <laughs> I'm right during the middle of football season. Next day I'm singing I'm a Survivor on national TV. I mean, it's pretty yeah. wild now. And then we later, you know, we hooked it up in the concerts and did some autograph stuff like that with each other. But uh, it was pretty cool. Pretty nervous too, though. That's that's crazy. Like I said at the start of this, you have you've had a, a crazy. You have so much to so much to talk about because you just seem like you have yeah. like everything going on. It's like it's nuts. It's pretty the, wild. The one thing I've been there. The one thing you mentioned a little bit earlier that I kind of wanted to touch on. Uh, are you coach? You were coaching high school football. Were you coaching your sons? What? Uh, what were you coaching? Yeah, yep. I've been. I've I've coached my kids in football, baseball, basketball since they were, you know, first and second grade. I'll coach all their teams, and then the last few years I've been coaching high school football. Uh, went to the state championship twice, got beaten overtime. Uh, nightmare, wow. you know what I mean? So, but I've loved it though. You know, we had a great had a great few years now. Uh, these last few years, but but I have a lot of quarterbacks on the side that I I don't charge any money, but I work with them one on one and just kind of spend time uh, trying to get kids that you know middle school kid try to get you to be where you can throw the ball better, maybe become your starter of your middle school team, and for high school maybe you're you know, good enough to be the starter, or maybe all conference, and maybe get a scholarship as it goes on. But but it's all it's all about I just love helping kids uh, be good at their craft and. Uh, kind of have a better understanding of how to play the position i was gonna say when we when we when we first uh knew you were coming on i i was gonna ask a similar question i'm glad gems uh gems actually saved me there because i totally spaced it but uh so gems coach is uh at his high school at uh he's a basketball and tennis coach or baseball and tennis coach my bad i don't know why i just said basketball basketball school board approved for the head tennis coaching job like last night from oh, awesome. my understanding. Well, congratulations Oof. gents um and then uh and then i coach my daughter's uh aau basketball team and all that stuff uh any i guess any tips for us as like uh kind of new fangled coaches i know gems is a couple years in uh i'm more so for me coaching your kids and then i guess for gems kind of just like coaching just in general any, yeah. any tips any tips for us <laughs> yeah no I, I think i think just uh you know honestly coach every kid 
not just the ones that are good. Coach the ones that are struggle. You know what I mean? And not everyone's going to be an All-American. Not everyone's going to get a scholarship. You know what I mean? And uh, make it more about the kids and make it then more about yourself. And then it'll be it'll be a great program, great experience for kids. And I, and I always tell people, be honest with the kids. You know what I mean? Be honest with them. Uh, I've had a you know, – I've I always told – because, you know, I've, I've told kids that want to play quarterback, I say, son, you're not a quarterback. You need to play another position. I'm going to be honest with you. You know what I mean? I'll be honest with the kids. And, and one day when they look back, they'll respect you. And they'll respect it. the game. When they go coach themselves, they'll do the right thing for the kids. Definitely. That's awesome. That's great. That's great advice. Great Thank advice. you. Um, I, I was going to say, Gems, if, did you hit everything on your list that you wanted? Uh, yes, I did. Awesome. I, I think I did too. The only thing I have left in it's a, it's an oddball one. So like it may not go anywhere, but, um, you're a Florida state guy. Um, have you heard of the Florida state person who was, I fr- believe a freshman when you were a senior, um, Burt Kreischer. Have you ever heard of Burt Kreischer comedian, standup comedian? I don't think so. Oh, he's a, he was the biggest party animal in the world, apparently, while he's at Florida State. <laughs> so I figured I figured it might be, but he was a freshman, so he's a stand-up comedian now. He uh, he he's the guy okay. who rips off his shirt. Um, he hosts the Go Big Show on like I think it's like TNT or TBS. Uh, but he's a super um, funny, fu- super funny dude. He told a story on his podcast uh, about the first time he ever went to a Seminoles game, and they threw the spear in the ground. That was when he found his identity as a person. He was like, I, he's like every time my entire, all the years going there, I'd cry every time it happened. Cause it was just like, I found my people. So uh, I was going to ask you a little bit about like that, I guess like your, uh, anything you remember, like, you know, about any of your teams where you were like, when you decided that, that football was your thing, I guess, like when did, like, that was my, my roundabout way of getting there. Like he found his people you found, like, when did you find your, like, you knew that this was what you wanted to do. I knew I love Florida state, you know, and I, when I chose Florida state, you know, I told myself, would I be happy there if I never played, if I got injured and never got to play or whatever it was. And and looking back, I just say, you know what? I, I really, honestly, I didn't have a great college experience as far as playing. To be honest with you, I got benched. Yeah, didn't play very much. You know, I mean, I did play football, basketball, but but I look back, I was still respected all those coaches. You know, the guy that benched me, Mark Rick, I married his sister. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, that and like so, like to marry your sister. Yeah, that's what it was. Man. So, but but it's really it's just I, Bobby Bowden playing for legend. You know what I mean? I just think we have so much respect for all those coaches and. All those guys we play with, I mean, great relationships, great friendships still to this day. It's pretty awesome. And to say that was my school, those were my coaches. And even though it wasn't a great college, ex- great college experience playing-wise, but great, great experience just to say I was a Seminole for life. Very thankful I went there. That's super awesome. Well, I, I, Brad, I appreciate your time. I think I thank you so much for for coming on. I, I think I hit everything that I could have possibly even fathomed to ask, and then some. Um, uh, we I appreciate your time, uh, Gems. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for being such a quick responder with everything. That this was by far the smoothest. Like getting somebody booked in for everything. Thank you. Oh, good man. I appreciate you guys reaching out. So. Thank Good you. Man. And where can where can everybody follow? Where can everybody follow you, at, Brad? Yeah, you find sure. me uh, on TikTok. It's Big Bad Brad fourteen, and then on Instagram and Twitter, it's it's Brad underscore Johnson underscore fourteen. So have fun with it. It's all you'll see all my trick shots and <laughs> a lot of good times, a lot of good stories. 
Well, awesome, Brad. Thank you so much. And we appreciate your time so much. Very good. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Brad. you. What did we tell you in the intro? Greatest interview on Off the Rails podcast history, maybe? I mean, we'll leave that up to you guys as the fans, but I think uh, it's one of my favorites for sure. It's definitely one of mine, too. And we've had I mean, some of my favorite human beings on. Like Carter Holsey is one of my best friends. I love that dude. Great interview with him. Still, Brad Johnson was a very memorable, awesome interview. What yeah, this was a, this was an awesome interview. I mean, yeah, it was awesome. You lagged there a minute. Oh, you did sorry. Great the entire now. now I'll, I'll take it in the outro. I'll take it in the outro. <laughs> right, a smidge in the intro too, for being yeah. honest. But it could have just been my computer. Either way, this was an incredible interview. I'm glad. I can't thank Brad enough for being so responsive and. It was definitely amazing. Great guy. And uh, seems and, uh, like he's got an awesome family. For sure, dude's a super awesome family. I mean, he married his coach's uh coach's sister. So quarterback coach's sister. <laughs> <laughs> Which is awesome. And then, you know, um, uh, but no, he he was a he was a super super great dude. Um go support him if you if uh when you go check him out on TikTok or Instagram or anything and check his trick shots out. He did sell he he, he does have like a merch store and all of like the proceeds go to like charity because that's how awesome brad johnson is just be given back to charities and stuff it's super super cool um so yeah so I believe go- the, uh address for that uh merch site is cafe press.com backslash big brad brad 14 but i will tell you officially what it is here definitely yeah and um man just the just the life that dude lived uh Performed on uh, Regis and Kathy Lee, uh, won a Super Bowl. I mean, nuts. It, his merch store is cafepress.com backslash big bad Brad 14. So go support uh, Beyond All Borders, I believe, is what, what the charity they, they support. So, yep. Um, so definitely go check that out and uh, check us out next week when we come out with another episode, hopefully, with an awesome interview. Um, just like this or an episode with me and gems. You never know what you're going to get, but you know, you're going to get great conversations. We have an interview tomorrow too. So that is correct. We do have an interview. Thank you, gems. So you should be getting an interview episode next week, uh, with another wonderful person that, you know, we'll have, uh, we'll have some great stories. I'm sure. So, uh, come check us out next week and, uh, tell, tell your friends, great review, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Uh, we'll catch you next week. Gems, anything you got for the peeps. Nope. Listen. All right. Easy enough. Gems is a gems is a simple man. He just wants you to listen. Also, congrats, congrats to Gems. I believe he we broke news that he's the brand new high school tennis coach. Yep. I the school board meeting was last night, and I haven't heard anything negative, so I'm just so, taking it as that. So we're gonna manifest that Gems is the head coach of the tennis team at his high school. I mean, the athletic director told me he was recommending me for the job, and so I would assume. That's good. Should have thought through, but yeah. All righty, gems. Gems got big news. We got big news. We're just crushing life over here. Uh, gems, we out of here. I mean, like Gems yep. said, listen. Welcome.